podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Hey everybody, welcome to the best Star Trek podcast that has ever existed in the history of all Star Trek podcasts. I'm Matt. I'm Andy. And I'm slowly coming to terms with what that means to me. Hmm. (laughs) It's appropriate. You know, I got like, uh, literally, one person texted me and said Happy New Year. Yeah, I was. I think I was late on that too. Outside of you guys, who were all very. Oh, look! There's a sun shower, Matt. Well, guess what? Guess who yeah. it was? Who was it? Frakes. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> was it personalized or was it a generalized Happy New no, Year? No, it was personalized. That's Frakesy um, did it again. Really, like, like when my faith in humanity is at its lowest. Jonathan Frakes rolls into my life. (laughs) Fucking, what a wonderful, you know, yeah, look, we both complain a a lot, but, uh, but let's say you're a, you know, you're a, you're a, you're a, a misanthropic individual. Um, what a fucking gift from the universe. Fucking Riker wishes you a happy new year. Yeah. Whereas Andrew Secunda, co-host to the stars, uh, he does not. It's so weird. (laughs) Maybe it's because I thought that I might be talking to you in the next three to five hours. <laughs> hey, buddy. Happy New Year. Oh, Happy New Year, Andy. Uh, and Happy New Year to all of you. A new year, a new us. That's what uh, Andy and I have been saying. By the way, uh, someone pointed out to me it was uh, DS9 apparently was released 31 years ago today, the day that we're recording. Everyone knows that special anniversary, the 31st. Yeah. It's the it's, what is that? What do you get your partner at your 31st anniversary? Like uh bronze with some uh tin inlays. <laughs> right. <laughs> Very specifically 30. Tin and bronze. It's my favorite <laughs> tin and bronze. Uh Look, this is lovely uh new year new new segments. I will say this. Uh yeah. there aren't any new segments, but uh yet there could be. There could be. There's all the possibilities exist. What I'm saying is, so far this year, I haven't messed up the order in which we do the show. Not yet. You're at, <laughs> you're at 100. You're at, uh, batting a thousand. 2024 is my year. <laughs> oh, let's do some to polls. Nice. If you have a disagreement, tip When you need to let the crew vent, tip This is a big segment now. Um, I assume all your levels are right, and I just hear you as hot on my end, right? I mean, yes, okay. and yes. Very good. Um, here are the polls for Shadow Play, uh, Season 2, Episode 16 of DS9. 
Um, Matt and I rated it a 5.25 collectively. I gave it a 6. Matt gave it a 4.5. I'm actually surprised Mm -hmm. that I was that high. Uh, IMDb gave it... You want to guess? There's a decimal. 7.2. 7.3. Good job. That was actually Um, much closer than I imagined. Do you want to guess the... uh, the Patreon score. Yeah. Uh, knowing our patrons and how they also feel about holodecky type episodes. Six point eight. Six on the nose. Six flat. Wow, nicely done. Twenty nine percent voted for seven though, so that's uh, supports your perspective. Twenty nine percent. Yeah. Wow. However, that poll is still open, so maybe you know, maybe it'll be closed. Could shift in the coming yeah, days. It's shift, a living, yeah. it's a living document, much like the Constitution. <laughs> it sure is. I think, but frankly, I think that's only because I set the end date wrong. But like, whatever. Because <laughs> um, later I was like, "What? Eleven days? That's yeah, wrong." What are you gonna do? You know. Uh, that's it for that. Great. Now. Let's I'm not gonna, I'm not tell everybody you. what Let's we see. thought of the episode in a brief little soiree I call, would we watch this episode? Andy, would you have them watch this episode? I think it's kind of a textbook good episode, yes. Huh. Did we watch the same show? I understand. We will discuss... Wait no no I'm not even I'm not even kidding. Oh, Is playing it? God. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> All right. There you go. Matt, would you have them watch this episode? If you want. It doesn't even sound. I mean, as let negative. me rephrase. Okay, let me freeze. Okay, okay, let me okay. Fix Matt, let me fix would it. You have them watch this episode. If you're like Andy and care about what the symbiotes do, sure. <laughs> That, that may be that may be the source of the distinction between our our takes already. Personally, do not care because I was immediately defending myself in my head, and I was just like, "Oh, well, this this all that disobedient stuff. What are you talking yeah, about?" Yeah, that's what I mean. It's I get great. it. That's what you like. I mean, if it was an it's, episode about like, uh, you know, warp engines, and it was like really in depth on warp engines or something or starship design, I'd be like, "This is amazing. Why don't right. you love it?" Right. Yeah. Um, guys, let's find out more about that in a little bit. First, we're going to the Admirals Club. Go to iTunes, leave a five-star review, and join the Admirals Club. Blink. E- blink, Matt, indeed. How, how, did they, <laughs> how did they blink their way into the Admirals Club? Uh, you head over to, quite frankly... Anywhere another human's eyes will find it. Yeah. And leave a five-star review for this podcast. It's not limited to Apple Podcasts anymore. Branch out. Get it done. You want to skywrite? You could do that. Uh, And you're in. And then if Andy sees it, he might read it on the show. Who do we got this week? We got uh, first from Pi Number, um, the best podcast in the quadrant my absolute hands down favorite podcast. I haven't, oh wow. I haven't left a review even though I've listened for years because I've never been able to think of something clever enough to merit my prestigious entry into the Admirals Club. 
Perhaps this will let me just squeak by. I love it when an episode clocks in at a ridiculous two plus hours and is full of more rambling nonsense than Star Trek. Never edit. Keep the digressions. This podcast got me through the pandemic and multiple hurricanes. Multiple hurricanes. Crazy. Love to you guys. Tech Sergeant Jeff McGregor. Jeff, thanks for finally writing that review. You're in the Admiral's Club. You're finally in the Admiral's Club. You made it. (laughs) Enjoy the chips. Uh, And then, oh, wait. I'm sorry. We're out of dip. We're out of dip. Uh, Just enjoy dry chips. I'm sorry. I I messed that up. Uh, So here's what I messed up immediately. That 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 was from Pie Number who wrote that in. Pie Number, you wrote that. Yes. Tech Sergeant Jeff McGregor wrote the following one. Tech Sergeant Jeff McGregor's probably like, I didn't write that. <laughs> it wasn't that glowing. I um, I, I've never been in a hurricane. What the fuck are these? What are you talking about? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I've been mementoed. Um, Tech Sergeant Jeff McGregor instead writes five stars, exclamation point. Five on a scale of one to ten, five being best, and one in ten being bad for different reasons. Sure. Uh, I appreciate that, Tech Sergeant Jeff McGregor. Sorry I misattributed your your um, review. Um, and that's it for the Admirals Club. All right, let's head over to the President's Circle. <laughs> It's the President's Circle. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC. Support this show. Get some fun bona fide extras like, you know, be on a Discord with a bunch of like-minded individuals, up to and including, occasionally, myself and Andy. Uh, You could also listen to more hours of us speaking. We do podcasts every month in there about things like Star Trek Voyager and Star Trek Enterprise. And this past December, we did an unnecessary audio commentary for the Muppets Christmas Carol. That's right. Which turned out to be a big hit. So, you know, if you're curious to what Andy and I said during that movie. Maybe more unnecessary things. Hop in. Yeah, I agree. I agree. (laughs) Unnecessary things. Uh, They should be coming. Uh, but the President's Circle, that's our tier de force. And uh, those are the people that get first dibs at the Christopher Pike Medal of Valor. Andy finds a comment. He likes it. He says, here's your award every single week. Who we got this week? This week it goes to Lieutenant Jeff Edders, who hails us in regards to the uh, last episode. Oh, Vedek Boreal is back. Borile. That's B O R E. Wow, you went right Gosh. after Andy's I, sweet yeah. spot. You find a character he doesn't care for, insult that character, get a medal. That's right. Although he did go with a, a pun for it, which could have put him in, in a little bit of a danger. But uh, let, me, let me hear it. Borile. Oh, Borile. Yeah. I thought it was another pun. But yes, no. that's a, that is yeah. it's a great pun. Yeah. Uh, and we're in the priority one messages proper. I knew that, but you didn't know that because I haven't played the sound yet. Uh, it could have been another... Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. There could have been another Medal of Valor, so I had to tell you when it was over, so... But I was... Uh, so I understand. So, so I don't think that... a 100%? Yeah, I feel like that's right. like... What's the... Uh, 
What's the no hitter rule? Like, is, is that's like just me catching a, a pop fly or something? Uh, you. What do I mean, I don't understand if you're saying you did something. Did you do something good? I mean, I guess I helped you with the thing, but you it was something. Yeah, it really but it great didn't. Play. It great didn't play. have anything to do great with play. your no yeah. hits recorded. Great play. <laughs> great. <laughs> Madawine says, uh, "Someone tell Santa to backtrack and bring bring Matt a new router." I mean, guy could have used it. Oh yeah, this was the DS9 was the one that I did with on my cell phone. Yeah. <laughs> powered by cell phone only that's right did you get does it is your new router working out well oh yeah it was working by the time we did the next podcast the next day great um ben plavin says hold the presses i just heard on co-pilots that andy secunda oh i'm sorry i had some things in the uh in the uh today sounds uh, I heard on Copilots that Andy Secunda wrote one of my all-time favorite jokes. It was from uh, when Triumph, the insult comic dog, was interviewing nerds at the Star Wars episode two debut. Triumph was speaking to someone dressed as Darth Vader, looked at his chest controls, and said, "Which one of these buttons do you call your mo- uh, do you push to call your mom to pick you up?" Comedy gold. I always thought that Smuggle was improving that all himself. Mind blown. Um, and then other people sort of had uh, had um, commented on that. Ron LeBlanc was nice enough to send in the this actual clip. This is just clip. in reference to something you've said on your other podcast? This is it, out of control, guys. No, I, this isn't. wasn't even on the... Oh, oh, did I say it on the... I guess I must have said it on the other pilot, uh, the other podcast. Gotcha. Um, but, but other people wrote but hey, in... Andy's got another podcast. No, it's look, called Co-Pilots. Check it out. No, no. Here's some sound coming. This is Wait, you don't like me promoting your show. I just I'm just uh, clarifying that the reason I I'm reading this on this podcast is because many other people were nice enough to say, "Hey, you had a shout out because everybody knows I love a shout out." Um even a negative one. I'll hear a negative one. Um and uh and so this was from Conan's podcast, not mine. Oh, from um, um, what's that Tom called? There, Brian Matt Gorley does a, a better job over there than than I do over here. Sure, that's what it's called. What is it? The Conan needs O'Brien a needs a friend. Yeah. What am I doing? Playing. Do you a clip. have a, yes. a sound there? It says Conan. That is Michael. Okay, God. Geez, All right, sorry. Well, I thought like, you were you were uh, perturbed with me. So I was perturbed with the audience. Why? They're our friends. <laughs> um, <laughs> At this point, they may be our only friends. <laughs> well, that's so true. This would be the seven. What's that? Seventeen episode seventeen. Wow! Uh, here we go. I've got a movie of that as well. Oh, I think you can watch it. I don't need to see it. Know. I'll just hear it. Here we go. Hi, Matt and Andy. It's Tim, oh, your Northern Irish not, correspondent here. That says DS9 O'Brien. Why did I click on that? Anyone? Oh, Anyone? That's sorry. a later one. Don't worry. I said Conan. I didn't say O'Brien. I said Conan Smigel, didn't I? Oh, I thought we said Conan O'Brien. That's why I clicked on it. Oh. <sighs> Does this ruin your record? Or Your thing was just about the order. <laughs> 
Correct. woman or, you know, yeah, being, what, which button do you push to have your mother come uh, pick you up? Whatever. Andrew all of those. Gave me they're the all. Like Roll right over it. Cohen he's rolling right it. over my my thing, I, and I would I would love to know whether it was intentional or not. But whatever the case, Smigel <laughs> uh, has without fail always always credited me, which is unheard of in the in the writer world. If you're like on staff, like to get credit for is a specific it, though, joke from other writers, I feel like, like it's you, very if unusual. If you did a thing, if you did it, like if you did a thing. Yeah, and there's like one killer line that people quote, and you know that somebody else wrote it. You'd be like, "I yeah, would." That was, was great. Yeah, of course you would. But I feel like it's very unusual, nonetheless. Mm, I think it's unusual from actors. Frankly, <laughs> I would say it's unusual also because I would if I remembered, but I I wouldn't always remember <laughs> who who well, contributed everything. <laughs> But um, anyway, uh, well, thank you for the. I, I think what we're show. saying here is, uh, Smigel's a gentleman and a fellow comedy. He really is. He I gets. Say it. He's a. He's an honorable comedy samurai. Um, uh, speaking of samurai, yeah. I have no segue. I was wondering. I was like, <laughs> I assume you're just bridging to the next hail, but I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> um. Well, let me just slice to the next one here. I should have left it where it lay. Denise from New York says, uh, I watched five minutes of number blocks with my nieces over the holiday, and that shit is surreal as fuck, and I was a little scared by it. I mean, that's reasonable. It's drives me insane. Tan Man Mountain says, Andy clearly doesn't care about... Okay, so this is, this is actually about the last episode. Andy clearly doesn't care about these holograms. And doesn't understand why our heroes do. Does that mean he's he no longer cares about Moriarty or Voyager's Doctor? Why does he care about seven a row since they are not real people but are in fact 2D project, projections? Plus all the holograms on the planet pass the Turing test which says if a program's responses can't be distinguished from real humans, they are considered a true intelligence. Maybe the seven row thing was a stretch. But still, I have to agree with Matt. Midnight Andy is a stranger. <laughs> winky smiley face um yeah i uh i don't know i mean i'm i as people who are in the president circle know i i questioned a lot of stuff with the 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 progression of when they decided that the doctor is a real person um moriarty uh, contrary to that i feel like they establish in that one episode that he is a sentience that is thinking creatively and that the computer basically was said, "Hey, you gotta you gotta create something that can beat data." And then the computer created uh, essentially a conscious entity because that's the only thing that could beat data. So um, that's why. How I do you know? How do you know, how do you know this guy didn't go uh, create a town that is capable of defeating Glornock, that region's android? Well. Because the guy who created it was uh, the old guy, and he he, yeah. he himself he doesn't seem that. to even think that they were real. He could have said that. Yeah, he could have, but he didn't. You don't know. He did. Maybe he did. Maybe he said it, said it off. Check <laughs> off, memory off beta. Probably said it in memory beta. <laughs> in some in some memory beta book, he yeah. said. By the way, now, I made them to defeat Gorlock, but <laughs> then I he took died. away all their battle so, skills. Uh, 
And I just married some of them and had children. <laughs> it's never established whether he has uh, he actually engages that way with any of them. Or does he have a wife in it? No, he doesn't have a wife. He's just old man, grandpa, patriarch. Um, or maybe his wife, but he's not mentioned. She's not mentioned. Or he's not mentioned. His wife. <laughs> his wife. Uh, Eric Peebles says, I always like this one. Uh, shows Odo is a real softy, and not just because he's made of apric- apricot jelly. And then Sean Jordan says, I wonder if when Odo is more emotionally vulnerable, he also becomes literally more soft and squishy. And Eric Peebles says, maybe that's why he won't date that Bolian woman. <laughs> These are all fair. Um, you can't handle the ultimate trekker. Says it's crazy that the Enterprise... That Enterprise, not the Enterprise. Not only did a similar episode, Oasis, but that it starred Rene... Abergeois. Abergeois? Mm-hmm. You don't even... This is a soft N. Interesting. Arne Abergeois, I don't know. Look, someone's going to write it and correct us, and I'm going to be... Sorry. Nonplussed. Tried. Sandra B. says, I really like this app, but Beryl... write in. Make me sorry I tried. <laughs> Uh, Sandra B. says, I really like this app, but Beryl always gives me the creeps. And Justine agrees. I agree. Beryl's disturbing. I don't get the creeps from him. I get the, like... Yeah, what? Early 90s China Beach guest star vibes from him. (laughs) I feel like you're... You're overselling him. I don't feel like that guy. He's not <laughs> he up to the even, level of China Beach. He's not Beach. even getting on China Beach. What are you talking <laughs> no. about? <laughs> no way. <laughs> um, Denise uh, says, do you think that Odo beamed himself into a chair on the runabout so that he would beam back into the chair on the planet in a sitting position? Or did he just hold that pose for a couple of seconds before beaming back? Did he fall down when he was beamed aboard the runabout because there was no chair? These are fantastic questions, Denise. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's what he said when he got up on the... <laughs> oh, no. Oh. Ah. oh, I should have turned myself into a chair. This is the one time it would have been useful. <laughs> um, Denise also says, well, now we know how Andy would act in Westworld, parentheses, black hat. Uh, do you get that, that, re- that, that sort of what she's saying there? Uh, you can either be the bad guy or the good guy in Westworld. Well, in Westworld, uh, uh, certain people treat the automatons as though they're just automatons, is what well, you're saying. Well, yeah, that is you. And you know what? Exactly it's what fair do. because there are characters that treat the automatons as people, even though they are told they are automatons. And uh, it's an interesting question of like, oh, yeah, if I was like was told this is a robot that has no consciousness would i have would i have been careful not to hurt its feelings and i probably wouldn't have so does that make me immoral possibly but if i was told this 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 robot has feelings and has consciousness then i definitely would not have so i don't know what the uh, sure i don't know what the i don't know what the who's right in that situation um, Denise also says, I will say, as others have said before, that I really do love these DS9 episodes that don't have a ton going on, but still do a lot of shaping the world and plot arcs and seed sowing about the Dominion. All these little things like Odo saying he doesn't give a shit about romance, 
the hollow people having a children's tale about evil changelings. Um, Jake not wanting to be in Starfleet. Dax being gossipy. It's all great. Makes you care about the characters. I mean, yeah, certainly color fills the fills the town. Color fills the town. Uh, should we make up that T-shirt? Probably not, and we never no. will anyway. We would we would like sell negative five. They'd ask us to return them. After. It's like <laughs> lose money silly, on what the, a silly waste of money. Lose money on the on the image that we don't print yeah. up before people order it. Um, Tim Glover says, "Oof." Borile is just one. It's just Borile is just one of the many '90s hot guys on this show that Kira has has to be forced to act with. She, who is my wife, uh, refers to them as bookcases. <laughs> uh, so many boring-looking people with no charisma that they pair Kira with. She deserves all the awards for somehow managing to come across interested in them. And then Sante Mastriana adds, "Yep, it's not just a Kira problem. It's definitely a '90s Trek problem." At some point or another, Troy, Beverly, Dax, Cass, Janeway, and Seven all wind up getting paired with some kind of bland 90s man with a haircut. And it's not even always Chakotay. I'd uh, even say that it's a 90s problem more generally. Half the guys they pair Elaine with on Seinfeld are like this too. Uh, I 100% understand how she always winds up with putty regardless of sex techniques. Sex techniques he's borrowed from Jerry or not. (laughs) I think that's true, and I think that's an interesting point about Elaine. Um, well, Elaine was with somebody who had a funny characteristic. That was it. Every every time she was with somebody, they... That's true. I think that Sante's getting it that a lot of them were just sort of, beyond that, were bland. I think that it's true that, like, Brian Cranston sort of was just more, had, a, had funny characteristics, and he wasn't bland. But most of the people were kind of just like haircuts. And definitely on Star Trek, that is mostly what I've seen with romantic, you know, uh, temporary interests for the men. Is it true for the women? No, I don't think it's true for the women. Uh, There's so few that swing through. Female romantic interests? On DS9? So far, what have we seen? Yeah, on, on DS9. We got, we got Sad Widower who falls in love with alien split personality ghost. Right. That's we got, it. We got married yeah. to a woman who doesn't know what time he drinks coffee. Right. And but, we've got bumbling weirdo <laughs> Bashir can't seemingly close the deal with anything. Wait. Uh, I thought you were. I was talking about the female uh, guests. Yeah, and I'm talking about how we haven't guess. seen any. There's, there's been no opportunity to bring any in because you have Bashir striking out with our main cast. Uh huh. Well, and you, have, you the, have a yeah. married cast member, and then you have Cisco, who's a widower and raising a child, and is like not in the romantic lead. Yeah, but you got situation. the Bashir's, well, you know, weird, angry, disabled lady people <laughs> no the the weird angry disabled lady that floats through the air oh floats my goats i remember her <laughs> that's her name <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah yeah. but she definitely wasn't bland she was interesting i mean maybe a little unbalanced but uh um that was not a that was not a board play i was saying she was i thought it was a literal thought you were no. just... um 
Let's see. Tobias Hughes-Brown says, The Paradise episode would be amazing with Picard and Geordi. His visor stops working and he becomes a hindrance to her community and Picard has a speech about how technology enables all citizens to contribute to society. That's this is, These are all really good points. Although, O'Brien pulled his weight. Wait, am I thinking of the right one? What do you mean? Um, what do you mean? Do that you was mean? the one where, where, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh is one, the one where Brian, this is this is four fifteen p.m. Andy Secunda. I don't even. The, the one where how does Brian he compare to Midnight Secunda? <laughs> turns Rambo. Your complaint about Midnight Secunda is that you felt like I was immoral. <laughs> <laughs> the, the rest of the time, I'm just me. Um, just failure, Secunda. Uh, let's see. Marcus Erlinson says, I've been listening to the Delta Flyers who have moved on to DS9. Hey, that's our area. Somebody stop hey, them. Get out of here, Delta Flyers. What are you doing? But to our to the point of Go about, fully back. You've done your Voyager. Great job. <laughs> now go to TOS and get out of here. <laughs> uh, how many do they, they churn out, by the way? Probably just an appropriate amount. My guess uh, would be one one a week, like normal podcasts. <laughs> could be. Uh, it says RMD, but I assume this means RDM. Robert Duncan McNeil keeps gushing about the Bashir character. Makes me think they had perfect casting with him uh, as the uh, as the nearly as lazy Paris in the first few seasons of Voyager. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's a funny. That's what he loves. Bashir. Funny way to look at. I wonder what he's saying. Dan Man Mountain. Uh, somebody report back. Andy clearly <laughs> doesn't care about these holograms and doesn't understand why our heroes do. Does that mean? Did I already read this? I already read this. Um, David asks the homework stealing Vulcan frontman for Bigfoot and a pack of vampires says there's a theory out there about cosmologists that we could be living in a hologram and that all of our perceivable universe is part of the hologram. Um, if you think about it, beyond the part about it being a simulation, is it a link then, uh, a simulation and consider what matter is comprised of, it does sort of make sense. What is light if not a photon and energy? Isn't If not a photon and energy, and what is matter, matter but energy in a different form? E equals MC squared tells us that you can get matter from energy and energy from matter. Um, and just sort of skipping ahead. Long story long, all the matter in the universe derived from energy and light, as Yoda would say. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. So what are we if not really complicated hom- holograms that have been running for billions of years to get here? We could be thought of as fake by anything outside of that simulation. It's interesting that this episode came out in 94 and the holographic universe theory came out in 97. This episode would have been helped by uh, with a discussion of the theory and its implications as to what we consider reality. As for Jake not wanting to go to Starfleet, yeah, why wouldn't the kid uh, who lost his mom and could have lost his dad in Wolf 359 and got to see firsthand the horrors of the war with the Borg and has nightmares about attacks on DS9 not want to get in on that Starfleet action. This is totally makes sense. Uh, in regards to the other stuff, I feel like it's more of an issue of how we define sentience than an issue of whether they're real. 
because you can create things in that time that are you know that aren't quote real but are that are solid <laughs> with the replicators and with holograms so I don't think it's an issue of like whether it's unlike real or in this sense. time where we can't do that. Well, we can, but I mean, if you created a, you know, if you created a, a person with a three D printer, you wouldn't decide it was real, and if you created a robot, you wouldn't decide it was alive, unless what if you. I created a robot or a three D printed human that had a, the most advanced AI you've ever seen. It was self aware. If it was self aware, then you're in an area of, of a philosophical question that I'm not. I'm not qualified to answer. They all are self-aware. The second they're told they're holograms, they've all become self-aware. I don't know if that's accurate. So you guys are going to have to fight this battle for me. I feel but like... No one picks up the arms. And everyone's like... This <laughs> well, then I, then I guess you win. Me. You win by default if that's what happens. <laughs> but my instinct is they make a distinction, even with the doctor, between when people just consider him a machine and when they start to consider him a person. How about I ask you a question in this way? Uh, what did the writers intend when watching the episode? What were you supposed to feel as a as a person? I feel like we were probably supposed to feel like they were people. Right. But I don't see the evidence in what is presented That's to okay. us. Yeah. That's okay. But the intention yeah. was yes. for our crew to find them to be I don't know what your beings what, what is your point um we can move on <laughs> oh okay <laughs> uh Joel Aaron says it's hilarious that with everything Matt had to go through to finally get this episode recorded neither of them considered for a moment doing it face to face like the old days uh, we thought about it we did I, we did I tried to what was I saying was I gonna have I don't know. Whatever. We talked about it, and then... I think I just I, came up I, with the phone solution before we finished uh, before we finished talking about it. Yeah. But that is where it would have ended up, thankfully. We don't have to see each other in person, except at parties. Um, Andy made a passing... This is Jeffrey's Muppified Hologram. Andy made a passing joke about Dolly Parton being popular in the Gamma Quadrant, having seen the Orville... It proves sci-fi-loving comedy writers live in the same zeitgeist. Oh, is there a Dolly Parton references? I'm sure there are. Um, uh, he also says, um, am I overthinking uh, an age-old Star Trek problem? I know I am with like-minded beings. Well, at least one of them, Jeffrey. But what did the old village leader eat in his hologram city? Is it, rep is it a replicator situation? Did the holographic farmers grow real food? Did the holographic people eat real food? How did Moriarty's drawing of the Enterprise leave the holodeck? How did Wesley hit Picard with a snowball? Why were Wesley's clothes wet? If it is all replicated, why can't everything leave the holodeck? Computer deactivate Jeffrey's hologram. I mean, the answer there is they didn't know how it worked yet. Um, Matt Johnson says about the uh, uh, my his Doctor Acula uh thing uh joke. I was sad that the oh, and it's Matt Johnson once more with feeling. Uh, is his <laughs> official name? I was sad that Doctor the Doctor Acula comment wasn't a Scrubs reference. 
Um, I see. I don't understand that either. Do you? Uh, yeah, I believe it's a it's a running JD bit in uh, Scrubs, if I remember yeah. correctly. Doctor Acula. Mm-hmm. Brian Hellman says the guys have fully crossed over into mystery science, deep space nine theater. I think we have. Do you? Does that bother people? Well, we haven't fully, obviously, because we haven't started doing commentaries yet. But uh, uh, is that a reaction to how many, how long we played clips for? I think it's more. Me. I think that I have attended. I don't know. Maybe you you don't because you're you're at the helm of the clips. But mm-hmm. I feel like I have a tendency to comment on it as it's happening. Is that a negative? I don't know. I'm going to keep doing it until somebody tell, demands that I, I run a poll to poll. By the way, it only takes one person and he'll do it. That's true. Um, David Oni Rall finally says, Odo talking about changelings, uh, quote, well, I'm not make believe. He says this to a girl who is make believe, but doesn't know it yet, nor do we yet. Nice touch writing wise. Also, maybe I missed something and they hinted at it but it would have been a nice mystery touch if the computer malfunction had somehow caused wanderlust in the holograms and their disappearances attributed to wandering past the edge of the project projection. It would have brought Dax and Odo to the boundary and the reveal more naturally. I tell you, Dave, I like that concept also because it raises more moral issues with that they really... Also, first of all, it solves my problem of like, if they're like... If whatever this the mistake is, it's suddenly they're like, oh, you know what? I don't want to obey my programming. I want to go out and and find out what else is out there, and that's what's making them disappear. That's that answers my question of like, oh, then they are that. That's a strong argument that they're sentient. Um, but also, I think it adds more of a quandary of like, okay, at the end, then it's like, all right, you can be alive, but you're going to be trapped staying in this village when you kind of want to see what else is out there. How do you feel about that? I think that's very interesting. Says Andy Secunda. 2024. Can't they just just move the giant thing? (laughs) Well, they would have to move it with them, wouldn't they? Come on, everybody. We're going to move this thing. (laughs) That's a great solution. That They become these these sort of, uh, you know, um, traveling people that... uh, that wander that that planet, you know, carrying their their hologram generator with them, kind of like a big yeah. Put it on a ship. Emitter. They they go around town. Yeah, I love that. Anyway, that's it for the priority one messages. Andy refuses to acknowledge them as a sentient race of people. Yep, even if that and, happened, uh, I would still be trying to ship, destroy them. He takes their ship. Yeah. Except for the people I'm retaining as my servants. Right. If it's midnight, most of them are going into servitude. <laughs> midnight, Andy. <laughs> uh, all right. You say that does it for the Priority One messages. That tells me it's time for us to go into the hallway and open up the hail bag. Captain, Captain we are being hailed. Okay. Now, we have a voice hail from Tim Collins, who says a super brief voice hail from President Circle, just in case you haven't recorded this one. And this one is O'Brien, not Conan. You can see the confusion. I understand. It makes sense. I mean... It's reasonable. Of all the things, 
and all to the have world. labeled that particular day. Yeah. And that would be where did I put those sounds? We're gonna find them. Don't worry. And I also said uh, it'll be the one labeled "O'Brien acts like Conan." <laughs> bing, uh, bing. Tell me, read another hail I know you hate it. But you know, it's the notification is supposed to go off when I have uh, Zoom open, but it's only when I'm when Zoom is the main window that I'm looking at. Oh. Um, you know, Matt. I can't set this, so I'll just pull it again. Go ahead. Um, they had a couple from Paradise here that I'm reading. Um, which was not the previous one, I think. Uh, Paradise and, uh, was two ago, yeah. Two ago. And it does occur to me, we've kind of locked ourselves in and say, oh, well, we want to refer to the previous one, which is obviously preferable but if we did want to bank some we could just a few episodes later read the comments on the episode Mm, what goes at the front of that episode that we record in the banking process well we'll always have some hails but (laughs) (laughs) maybe they get some short episodes we'll always have paris all right. You want uh, DS9 O'Brien. Correct. Hi, Matt and Andy. It's Tim, Hi. your Northern Irish correspondent here. Uh, seeing as uh, Andy was curious, uh, I asked around the island, and we officially pronounce it conduit, not conduits. Uh, <laughs> okay. Com meaning he just fucked that up. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I love it. Why did he say conduits? It must have been a late night for him. That is funny. Um, Okay. I like our our, uh, boots on the ground uh, (laughs) reporting. (laughs) Okay, this is a salty one from Josh Stafford, who says, The more I listen to the pod over the years and enjoy the show over the years, especially when it goes completely off the rails of the topic at hand, the more I think about how it seems like it is strangely a show about two guys who don't like Star Trek at all. How many episodes have actually gotten a passing grade? Maybe just slowly start... Anything over five. Maybe just slowly start talking about Frasier and then completely swap over the topic of the show and then Matt will be so much more positive all the time. It really points it at you. Josh from Ottawa, Ontario. I'm supposed to be the fan, you know? Yeah. That's more, Why would more I, yeah. the fan, find some of the things less than stellar? Yeah. I mean, you're almost like a Star Wars fan in that sense. <laughs> it's like, hey, I can like things and and be annoyed by them. I don't know if you've met my son. You're, you like, like him, him but, yeah. but I'm annoyed by him. Uh-huh. You know, these things happen. Not me, though, huh, buddy? Uh, what's the next hail? <laughs> um, this one's from Thomas Gill. And, uh, uh, you know, kind of kind of uh, uh, in keeping with the, uh, the, the style of the show, he says, Paradise is the worst episode of Star Trek ever produced, and that includes the new short treks through to... Uh, through 
did to celebrate the animated series. Uh, I think that's a different word there, but I don't know what it is. But basically that they did to, to celebrate the animated series. Not only does Alex's rejection of technology ignore that almost everything is technology, all the way down to buckets, shovels, screws, and bows, but her reasoning is flawed in the face of. She also violates the, violates the Geneva Convention by... Violates the Geneva Convention by punishing Cisco for O'Brien's actions, not Conan, uh, but also putting him in solitary confinement in a hot box. She willingly lets people die and denies them their privacy in violation of their basic human rights. And when she is found out, the colonists are so fucking brainwashed, they don't want to see her punished and made to pay for the evil inflicted upon them. It's their right to stay, to stay, absolutely, but they should have been demanding she pay for what she did to them. I avoid this episode in all of my rewatches, and the episode covering it just brought up all the anger I had uh, this episode, uh, watching this episode as an 11, 12-year-old, and it has never abated. Zero out of 10 aid Andes. Uh, by the way, this is the closest contender to this, uh, to being this bad, is Voyager's Tattoo, which basically uh, postulates that Native Americans or at least one tribe, were languageless cave people until touched by white people from outer space. <laughs> Thomas Gill, just wanted to say, oh, this is a separate one. Um, uh, yeah, I guess he's he was being more salty toward the episode than he was towards us. Um, well, that was actually the previous one that was salty towards us. Correct. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going to be. that salty. Is, he still listens. Yeah. Which we appreciate. Yeah. He seems to enjoy it. He's just sort of suggesting that it's maybe a different theme than we're saying it is of this podcast. Yeah. Um, Dane Swanson says, here's a positive one. Just wanted to say thank you for your service, uh, Mr. Myron, Mr. Secunda. I just wanted to give my utmost thanks to both of you for bringing us all so much laughter and joy over the years in the guise of a podcast that only talks about all things Star Trek and I can say with confidence that I've listened to more hours of you two talking than the pitiful amount of total lines given to Nurse Ogawa throughout TNG's entire run. From start to finish, each podcast episode brings me a specific boost of delight that I've not really found anywhere else, which is indeed altogether bolstered by the continuous banter and great friendship you have with each other. <laughs> <laughs> listening to the interspersed stories you tell about writing comedy on various projects and working in the industry over the course of your careers is always entertainingly insightful and on a personal note after many years of self-doubt of one reason or another i finally acknowledged and accepted my own passion to be comedy writer uh what an interesting time considering that based on all the industry issues surrounding the past summer's wta strike huh <laughs> it sure is pal uh but we i support you i can't speak for matt um, follow your dreams. Follow your bliss. I live in Jackson, Wyoming with my wonderful partner, Kelsey, where we f feel very fortunate to call such a beautiful place home. When I was younger, I dreamed of living in the mountains uh, I saw on TV, but always felt like something that happens to other people there in the world. However, I decided to pursue my dream 10 years ago from St. Paul, Minnesota. Oh, I'm sorry. I've been doing this all wrong. And the significance it had on my life has so far is so hard to express with words. There's been ups and downs like anything else, of course. But the most important lesson I've learned is that chasing a dream is completely worth the effort if you have the desire to stick to it. As all of us listeners have discovered over time, 
each of you bring something special to the podcast that keeps us puttering along while we work, eat, recreate, and insert any other activity. I especially enjoy all the wacky segments that have developed over the course of the show. Frank Sinatra, come on! And the wonderfully supportive TNC community that has grown out of this random side project is incredible. Although I attend actual sessions as well for my mental health, uh, this form of therapy has unlocked certain comedy-driven neural pathways in my brain, and I truly hope that the silliness continues on indefinitely as we all need a good laugh often. Thanks again, and happy holidays, Dane, uh, general manager. Hey, Dane. I wish you the best of success, and don't forget Andy and I are available for work. <laughs> you know, whenever you pop really? off and this get is, that show, you fucking give us a call. This is probably the most likely way for us to work again is uh, is that one of you guys get a show and hire us. By the way, I he mean, works. I got Goldberg through a podcast, so I mean, oh, that's true. Um, uh, and Dane works at Teton Backcountry and Bear Aware. Not sure what that is. Sounds it's cool. It's a place that tells you to be aware of the bears around you. Oh, is that what it is? Just bear! Come in. <laughs> bear! Remember they're bears! Um, <laughs> Jackson, don't forget. I, should bear. I start thinking about moving somewhere like Jackson, Wyoming? Yeah, definitely. I like uh, the Jackson Hole Burger place that used to be in Manhattan. I don't know if it still is. I think that's, that's the only reason you would need. You should move. All right. Bye! <laughs> <laughs> so long, everybody. <laughs> uh, Frank Dozer says, Hi, Andy. I'm several episodes back, and I just heard you admit something dark. Um, and then if you could play Andy's Dark Admission. I'm a heroin dealer. Mm. That's on record. Heroin dealer. Um... Uh, and then we have a face group comment. I mean, uh, I only have. Oh, never mind. Photoshop Matt with Data's hat. And who put Andy's face on that? Just take a look. It's on Facebook, it's in our face group. E. So uh, this is from Doug Smith, and I pulled it out of there. Um, here's his comment. Matt forgets which episode they're reviewing. Andy rambles about nothing for 20 minutes. Actual episode discussion is one-third of total podcast. Best Star Trek podcast ever, guys. Yeah, it. I know. That's why I say it at the top of every show. <laughs> uh, Don't agreeing with us. Don't worry about what other celebrities are, are doing are, are covering the same material. Um Let's send a hell. Facebook section for Star Trek the next conversation. I thought I should bring it to your attention. No matter the rest of the programmation. If you'd like to send us a hail, send it to sttncpod at gmail.com. Please put the title of the episode in the subject heading. Um, or obviously you can just join the Patreon and get in our priority one messages um, if you want to well Matt your your Twitter is down right so you don't have to bother tweeting Matt anymore you don't have to bother tweeting Matt uh, it's, it's, I can't access it so. can anybody it help exists. him get access it's still there it's and it would be, help, it would be helpful to me if, not, if nobody me. else 
Um, uh, help him get back in. If anybody works for X. Um, but anyway, uh, he's at Matt Myra. Um, my Instagram is at Andrew Secunda. My uh, Twitter X is at Secunda. Um, our Twitter account, our Instagram account, our TikTok account is at Star Trek TNC. I think we got a YouTube. Um, and uh, if you'd like to send a voice hail, please do. All we've heard from is our friend in South Dakota. Uh, send in some voice hails. Uh, try and keep them under a minute and a half, if you can. 816 Trek TNC. That's it for the hail back. Okie dokie. <laughs> Closer. 52 minutes. I got you out in 52 minutes. Come on. So efficient. He's so efficient. It's ridiculous, everybody. Uh, let's dive in. We crossed many doors to many places. Your hands made us think of all your faces. So plug TNC in your little board node. Let's talk about this week's episode. Oh, yeah. This week's episode called Playing God. It aired 27th of February, 1994. The... Let's see. Is there anyone we haven't heard yet? Have we heard Loser by Beck yet? Mm-hmm. Mm. And we heard, we, we heard... We got Without You by Mariah Carey. We got Power of Love by Celine Dion. It's fine. So we're told that maybe the Power of Love one we played was the wrong one at some point. All right, there you go. Let me just bring that volume way down and let you tell everyone what was happening. Number one movie is On Deadly Ground. Number one TV show that week is the Winter Olympics. Births that week, singer Justin Bieber. Deaths that week, comedian John Candy. Events, Nirvana plays what turns out to be their final concert. I Will Always Love You wins record of the year at the Grammys. Time Magazine cover. Ministry of Rage, Louis Farrakhan. Wagons East. That was what John Candy was filming when he did. Oh, gotcha. Uh, Not well thought of, right? I, they weren't able to finish it, really. Yeah. So you're saying it's not on them? I'm saying, you know. There were some circumstances. Sure. Thank you, Beck. Uh, anything else? Matt, what else? Oh, God. I don't know. I honestly don't know. Elsewhere on Trek. Thank you. You're welcome. Um. Elsewhere in Trek. Let's see what's out there. In fairness, you asked, so I don't know if we would call it a flub. Doesn't count. Um, on February 28th, Eye of the Beholder gave TNG viewers good looks at both the Enterprise's ample nacelle and Worf and Troy's romance. Also, mm-hmm. here are a couple of follow-ups on the past couple of Elsewhere and Treks. Come at me, grammarians. Um, first, for what it's worth, 
Memory Beta says Catherine Janeway was captain of the USS Bonestell at this time, with Tuvok mm. posted on the ship as well. Um, MB's sources, uh, Memory Beta sources, are the novels Mosaic and Pathways, both written by Jerry Taylor. Second, I admit that the timing of the Maquis formation doesn't quite jibe with later details about its members. The Okudist chronology had Seska infiltrating the Maquis in 2369, two years before her bad guy reveal, and presumably, this is kind of spoilers, presumably soon after the treaty, which gave some Federation planets to the Cardassians. Problem is, it's now 2370. Um... The TNG episode depicting the treaty's fallout, Journey's End, where Wesley ascends into Traveler Heaven, won't air for another month, and DS9's The McKee Part 1 won't air for another two months. Even if the Voyager retconning doesn't conflict directly with the episode's air date order, it doesn't fit perfectly into that order. Anyway, to keep this somewhat short, somewhat short, I think it's possible that the McKee could have been upset enough about the treaty that they started operating in one form or another, for about a year before the, their, their public debut. It's also possible that Torres and Seska misremembered the details of their McKee-esque exploits. There are good theories on both sides. Here, <laughs> here. There, there. Congratulations. Now, we may begin the episode proper. Uh, we already episode did begin proper. the proper. We already began the episode proper. Technically, we're there, yeah. <laughs> so now all we gotta do is hear what memory alpha says the log line is and who wrote and directed uh teleplay by jim trombetta and michael pillar story by jim trombetta directed by david livingston while hosting her first trill initiate that's what's called initiate yes while her while hosting her first trill initiate dax discovers a tiny expanding proto universe that threatens to destroy the bajoran system Let's see what's out there. There's the Janolan model, everybody. Ooh. Flying upside down. Cool. I really like this opening. You know, if there's anything Two pack lids! While you're here. Oh, you've already been helping. Two pack lids and a couple of cool guys. This guy got that 90s hair, what are you, too. What are, your, what are your thoughts on fan service before it was fan service? Uh, it seems more legit. <laughs> it's like lower decks where they did the packlet <laughs> not exactly just hearing about dax makes me a little less nervous about the whole thing really there's no reason to be nervous jazia will be a wonderful host well that is she is a wonderful host in a trill manner of speaking i'm sure you'll learn a lot from her she sounds very different from the other daxes i've heard about in what fashion let me put it this way when i was told that jazia dax had been designated my field docent I asked for reassignment. You're joking. Why? Because Dax is famous for breaking initiates. Breaking them? I looked up the records. Over the past 200 years, Dax has personally eliminated 57 host candidates from the program. I suppose it's too late to introduce myself to her. Too late? I doubt it. Judge is a night owl. Computer, locate Lieutenant Dax. Lieutenant Dax is on level 7, section 5. Ah, of course. Then take us to level 7, section 5. That's the computer's way of telling us she's in quarks. Bashir really loves the way the turbo lift works there. It just seems so wistful about it. 
He's like, Ooh, yeah, then take us to level seven, section five. <laughs> it's, it's very hard to tell what why he's putting English on that. <laughs> it makes no sense. Um, so now listening to it again, I'm not sure what, like, okay, so it's Dax. It's not necessarily right. Curzon. So I wonder how many Curzon himself was responsible for. But of course, this points to the larger thing of there's plenty of explanation uh, about symbionts in this episode, which I would delighted in getting a little bit more clarification on some things. But um, but of course, why doesn't this guy know that? He's like talking about Dax as though it's one being, and Jedzia. The thing she keeps underlining is like, "I'm Jedzia. I'm not Curzon." Why does he need to hear that? He's a trill. Mm. But like the you know they say there's only three hundred symbiotes, right? Right. So there's a fair chance he's never even met one. Uh, three hundred on a planet of the size of trill. Come on, this guy. Yeah, he's never met. Oh, a symbiont. Uh, yeah. a, a, oh, interesting. There's only three. He says there's only three hundred of them. Yeah. So he's just like he. You're saying, but but, but, you know, maybe this is just the classic Star Trek thing of like they we are defining them by their most glaring trait. So you would think the trill. It's the most defining thing about them is the symbionts. So are you suggesting that maybe the whole planet isn't a but they, it seems like he's implying that they are obsessed with them, that this is like the highest class somehow. I will say every every trill we've ever met in Star Trek, like besides the ones that have a symbiote, i.e. the one in TNG, yeah. Dax, and the crazy um, Discovery's symbiote. It was also the crazy guy. Crazy guy took Dax. He took Dax as symbiote. Yeah. Symbiote. Again, I'm only talking about the entire realm of Star Trek. We've only seen like five symbiotes. Right. Right. And every other trill you meet is like, oh, I'd love to be joined, but you know. I mean, we're going to hear more, but I've got, as you might imagine, a lot of questions and talking points. But what I'm telling you is this episode... This episode, to me, sheds a lot of light on the fact that it's rare. But you're saying even the... I mean, it's rare, okay, but it's like if you're on a planet that's obsessed with something... The royal family, for instance. Yeah, the royal family. Well, not even the royal family because everybody isn't obsessed with the royal family. I bet there's a lot of trills who don't give a shit about symbiotes. class warfare baby maybe maybe you're right okay fair enough but this guy is aha this guy is obsessed so therefore why wouldn't he know this guy is not obsessed this guy's father was obsessed yeah but he's doing his best he spent his whole adult life trying to get a symbiont so you would assume that he would know if what word was jedzy is saying is true that one person joined with a symbiont is going to be a totally different person than somebody else joined with a symbiont personality-wise. 
Yeah. And he's arguing that because Dax, the symbiote, is in Jadzia, that he's going to be screwed, because just like all the other the two, people. Over the last 200 years, the Dax symbiote has eliminated 57. I understand that. So then that's saying, I guess it's just sort of I mean, saying. Curzon would only live like 70 years. I guess he's just saying that it's it's statistically weighed in the favor of that even if Jadzia is has a different right. perspective the Dax symbiote, symbiote is going to weigh is it. their perspective right okay will fair always enough. be there regardless of who the host is right over well, knocked out of consideration the administrators only want hosts who are confront as uh Terry Farrell said uh, we're talking about this episode which I thought was uh nice way to look at it uh, she said uh, everything she does in the beginning of the episode is an attempt to get Arjun to react to her to shake uh-huh. him out of his behavior because right. somebody who's really mature enough to be a host would have handled the treatment differently than Arjun did interesting like less arrogant no like less like put off by her partying with Ferengis or gambling with Ferengis and Oh, so she's saying even yeah. this scene is yes. she yeah. knows that he's coming. Got it. Correct. Yeah. The best and the brightest. It's the ears. Every time he goes to a choir, he scratches behind his left ear like this. Don't play with my ears unless you're serious about it. <laughs> Jadzia, you have a guest. Oh, you're not supposed to be here till tomorrow. Yes, ma'am. She's I caught a lying. transport from Starbase 41 a day early. We found ourselves sitting next to each other on the way here. I've been telling Arjun all about you. Really? Well, not quite all about you. What, is Do that you what are these transports like? Is he in coach? And he's stuck next to Bashir? Like, what's happening? He's in co- Bashir's tr- in coach? He says I was with... I was ne- we, were, we happened to be seated next to each other. First of all, that's a starship that docks with, the sh- with Deep Space Nine. Could have been first class that were seated next to each other. I've decided that it's not. Okay. It's coach. <laughs> but it's like international coach where it's two seats. Not even coach plus? No. All right. It's the Federation, man. They've abolished coach plus. Oh. Every coach room, ha- every coach has leg room now. Oh, that's it's nice. The utopian, it's the utopian future. Oh, I wouldn't have to fly jet blue. I'm going to watch it. Tongo? No, sir. Then you'll have to leave, Argent. The risk's to you, Lieutenant. Shame on you, Quark. Where are your manners? This is a Trill initiate you're speaking to. Of course he doesn't play Tongo. <sighs> I beg your pardon. So we'll have to teach him. Uh, actually, it is very easy to learn. <laughs> How much money did you bring with you? Uh, give the young fellow a seat. You? Out. Uh, it was a very long trip. I think perhaps I should... Uh... Oh, of course you're tired. I'll take you to your quarters. Roll me away, fellas. We can't roll you away. They're sore losers. I love when you can't female. quit now. You just won. He's very funny in this episode. I gotta say, this is gonna be controversial. Um... Still not 
I really love what they do with the character in this episode. They f- they flesh uh, they flesh uh, Jedzy out more and give the you know more the backstory and the all that stuff. I love. I, I don't I don't think I'm. I think Terry Farrell is kind of a gives a, a little bit of a flat flat line ratings on everything. I don't think she's a very dynamic performer as of yet. And uh, some of it's in the writing. This is fucking somebody who never watched Becker. Get out of here with your opinions. <laughs> that is fair. I never did watch Becker. Um, yeah. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought this was Lieutenant Dax's quarters. She's in the shower. Oh. I love what a dork this guy is. Yeah, do you? I do, because they're supposed to be. Yeah, that's fair. But he seems like the most annoying like staff writer you've ever met. <laughs> that's a perfect that's a perfect summation. That is exactly what he is. Well, I guess that's probably uh, what that they were writing it with that that awareness. Mm-hmm. Is she yeah. expecting you? Yes. My name is Arjun. She told me I should be here at 0800. Is that Arjun? You're early again, Arjun. We're going to have to work on that. I can come back. Don't be silly. Come in. I'll only be a minute. It always takes me longer to get ready as a female. I have to go. I have to be at Colony 4 by tomorrow. When's my rematch? Well, I'll be back next week. It was fun. Brutal, but fun. Safe trip. The replicator makes a decent citrus blend. Uh, thanks, but I've already had something to eat. Yes, Andy. Uh, I guess I would have. Uh, I feel like I don't know. Maybe maybe they're just being coy. Uh, but I feel like at first he's obviously supposed to think that they hooked up, and then it's like no, they were just wrestling. It sort of seems like the perspective of the show, even though he kisses her her hand. But I, I feel like just have him do have have done both. Like like that adds a little more like you've kind of already implied that Jed Z is sort of very freewheeling and does whatever the crap she wants at any point um have you know have 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 him do both i say hmm. i think that adds more spice to her character what if when he ordered a black hole eh, the replicator made a black hole and it started tearing the station apart <laughs> Not that kind of black hole. It makes you more alert. I'll set you up with Trey Jack. He's a great coach. Okay. Mm. Better. So you don't play tango. You don't wrestle. What are we going to do while you're here? <laughs> well, uh, I was under the impression that field training consisted of... I know all about field training. Jadzia went through it a few years ago. Yes, ma'am. Arjun, so she's, if you, she's only had it a couple she years. Vacillates between third person and 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 first person. Well, yeah, and I, yeah, I think like, that's. I guess that must be like this is the Dax symbiote talking, but also not the Dax symbiote. This is Jedzia. I wish she had different voices, like you do, for when it's you reading an email versus you speaking about the email. Like, if she shifted to a Jay Leno type voice whenever she was uh-huh. Dax. Yeah. It'd be great. Right. I think so. Uh, right. So, what else do you do? 
Hey, you know, wrestle. <laughs> you know, I wrestled once. Me and DDP. It would definitely <laughs> be very confusing once you start talking about Fury the Mind Killer. If you truly want to become a Troho someday, you'll never call me ma'am again. Yes, Lieutenant. Why don't you try Jetsia? I think you're right. I think it is think sort of like it's Dax talking now, and that's why oh, it's I'm more of a sure dick it to him. Appropriate at all. But then I hate to be appropriate. I think you're totally right. I think that would help a lot. The voice to change, right? Yeah. Yeah. Really help indicate to the listener. But of course, part of the issue is that, as people keep saying to me again and again in different forms, it's like, well, it's this new person is a combination of Dax and Jadzia. So there is no distinction, except as you point out, she she makes a distinction. <laughs> I guess she makes a distinction because to her, Jadzia is a different person than Jadzia Dax. Right. Which is accurate, I suppose, right. with what they've told us so far. Yeah. What do you think about these... Uh... Voles? Yeah. I like them. It's like like 80s sci-fi. I enjoyed it. I did too. And I thought that they, you know, admirably, they were able to like give the the props department the chance to build the cool like dead corpse of the the vole. And they avoided the the budgetary and effects issue of, you know, they're all dead, the ones we see. So you don't have to have it be a shitty, you know, effect. That's how you can tell the showrunner wrote the episode. Nothing. Ah, over here, Chief. Conan, Chief (laughs) O'Brien. Anyway, blah blah blah. I thought it was very funny that. The way she introduced them was they're both they both have their heads in a, t- <laughs> a Jeffrey's Benjamin, tube. I'd like you to meet Arjun, the host candidate I told you about. Commander Benjamin Cisco. Sir. And that's our first officer, Major Kira, and Chief Engineer O'Brien. <laughs> I know those butts Harris. anywhere. Chasing. Chief of Operations. Come on. <laughs> what do you think what do you think gotcha. of the whole design? Arjun, here. I like it. I like that they're kind of like, they would be gross to be if somebody handed it to you. Yeah. But they also, you can see them being cute down the line. I, I don't know that they're ever back, but. I don't, I don't buy that for a second. I, I you don't, don't build a prop them. like that unless you're going to bring it back. <laughs> should we start working? Maybe they borrowed it off of a different production of a different thing. Start, it's amazing. Should we start working on the uh, Star Trek Vols spinoff? I guess so. From the perspective of the voles. What were they doing during that episode? Everyone wants to know. Computer, play something by friend shot. Friend shot? A self-exiled Romulan. I collect forgotten composers. You feel like taking the controls? I've never flown a Federation runabout before. These things practically fly themselves. You have third-level flight experience, don't you? Actually, I just finished my fifth level last month. Fifth? Check out his fifth-level flight experience. Yeah. Did that impress you? I was like, wow, fifth is crazy. 
I know, I know nothing of these levels. <laughs> two above. It's got to be great. It's two over third. He's got to be able to fly anything. <laughs> it's also, uh, Cisco has a line of, uh, I want those voles taken alive. That almost felt Darth Vadery. Bring me the passengers. I want them alive. Well, he's got to question them later. Yeah. How did you feel when you found out it was going to be Curzon next? Nauseous might be the best description. I suppose it wouldn't be fair for you to give me a few tips. Tips? On how you managed to impress him. Look, let's get one thing straight. I'm not Curzon or Leela or any of the others. I'm Jadzia Dax. Jadzia is only a few years older than you are. You're her first initiate. To be honest, in a lot of ways... Like, who's talking? This is now, this is Dax talking. Because of the tense and the way that they're referring to. Yeah, that is weird. Before she was talking about Jadzia before, but she's talking about Jadzia now. Right. You're Jadzia's first initiate. So that doesn't make any sense. It's your Jadzia Dax's first initiate. Well, that's true, too. I mean, if you're saying... They're both true, I guess. But if you're saying you're Jadzia's first initiate... I guess that's what that's what the, that's what they're saying right now is your Jedzia Dax's first initiate, right? But you're right; it's weird. I still feel like an initiate myself. I can still remember the pressure of competition when Jedzia was going through it, and I'm not going to make this difficult for you. You don't have to impress me, okay? Okay. Okay. So how did you? Impressive. I didn't. Curzon recommended that my initiate period be terminated. I've got it. Engaging manual stabilizers. <laughs> I love this. Like, we picked up a pocket universe on our cell. Suddenly, I, we're thrust into a B story. What? I also have a question of like. When what is that? Where's that video from? This is a classic Star Trek thing. But like, how do they get this video of the starboard nacelle from the outside while they're in the ship? What do you mean? There's a shot looking out from outside down at the starboard nacelle. The fucking the, the hull's covered in sensors that can be a camera. That's how when Picard is on screen, depending on, doesn't matter where it is, they get an image of it on screen. I could be wrong, but I thought that the shot was from outside the ship, not from the ship it itself. Is from, it is from outside. It's like from outside the ship. Like if you looked at your rear view mirror and you were looking. It at is. Your oh, rear that tire. is the shot. I thought it was looking yeah. from like behind the ship at the ship. No, the angle. I mean, yeah, no, that just looks like it's like on the side looking at its, you know. I see. Oh, yeah, I see, I see. Because okay. it's the right nacelle. Got yeah. it, got it. In the subspace pocket. Computer, identify mass on the starboard nacelle. Unknown. Man, isn't... That is the... They're just showing the starboard... They're showing the port nacelle. Mm, I've got some problems here, guys. <laughs> Um, no, they are sure they're showing the starboard nacelle. That is the starboard nacelle. Okay, thank you. My brain was broken for a second, but it's back, baby. It is back. 
Now I can adjust it to a frequency that'll be uncomfortable to their ears, drive them out of hiding one at a time. But at that rate, I'll be doing this for the rest of my tour of duty. It ran right across a gavel table. How'd it die? Get into your food? <laughs> Burn. As landlords, you're responsible for this. I expect vermin control. I'm gonna have to leave. Oh, please say leave. I'd take a Cardassian bull over you any day. Da 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 da. The girl insists on finding a latent attraction to me. <laughs> I like that Orion laughed at that too. Oh, I didn't notice that. That's great. To make the- it's very funny. <laughs> See, I was just paying attention to to to, uh, to Quark overplaying it. it just- <laughs> Vols beg for mercy. What is it? A sonic. This is a great bit. Um, I really like how he plays it. I think it's funny. I also like they have a weird thing with like Kira has her exit line and then she circles into the deep background to like go down the stairs and it's like that's cool they're really using the depth of the set and then she kind of re- re-engages and um, then Cisco just does he my question is does he happen to be walking out of his office or does he hear the trouble right he doesn't seem to react to the it. timing wise it seems like he's just what well, happens to be walking out of his office here's one other thing are you all that, right what Yes. It's one of the things that struck me. Um, maybe it happens later on in the series. Given the interests of the the Ferengi in general, I'm surprised more has not been made even up to this point about how great their hearing is and how many things they could overhear and how, how easily they can spy on people. I mean, Quark always is sort of saying that he's heard stuff from, from people. And so maybe that's... A fucking... <laughs> You love Doctor Doom because Doctor Doom always uses his full potential of powers. That's this right. Is, I mean, this is like you need everybody to be doing everything at max level. Doctor Doom did even more. He he built a bunch of stuff and powers, you know, that he didn't have with his genius because he was a genius and he used his genius to its full capacity. Maybe I like this stuff because I feel like I am never living up to my full potential. <laughs> We'll need a couple of hours. Morning will be fine. That'll give Arjun and me a little time to recoup. Acknowledged. Stop by and fill me in later. May Kong out. We can fill you in now. Arjun's a real drip. (laughs) Real whiny. She taught that to me. Can you believe it? A Klingon song I'd never heard. She collects lost composers. I wonder what they said. Or does he? Oh, you think she stole it from him? No, I'm saying, does she, or does, is 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 it the symbiote Dax? Oh, <laughs> is this just a Jadzia thing? That's uh, a great question. I'd be asking that with every every single thing that happened. She would she would go out with me for about like a half a minute. I would never stop asking questions. Say something. No, it's all right. I wasn't really very hungry anyway. Speak up for yourself while you're here, okay? I'll make a concerted effort. So, who sponsored you for the program? My father. Was he joined? No. But he had great ambitions for his children. He was a uh, pilot instructor at the Gadena Post for 40 years. He died last year. I see where you got your flight skills. My sister was always his choice for joining. But after she got accepted to the program, she ran off and got married. My father never spoke to her again. 
On the day that he died, he turned to me and he said, I'm counting on you. I love this story. Words to me. I just love the detail. I love that they set it up like it's like following in, in a parent's like religious footsteps and or I don't even know what would be a better example. But just like that thing of disappointing a parent who is expecting maybe going to college or something um, uh, or going into business or taking over a business. But it's just like it's so great. It's such a it really adds a richness that he full on turned on his, you know, disowned his daughter because she she turned down the opportunity to have a symbiont. Um, it's really great world building. As long as I became joined, that was his only goal. And what about your goals? There's so many possibilities when you're joined. I'm not sure what I do yet. I, I figured I'd get a lot of guidance from the symbiont. Wouldn't you say? Well, the symbiont's influence is very strong, Arch. But you're the host. You've got to be strong enough to balance that influence with your own instincts. If you can't, the symbiont will overwhelm your personality. Oh, they... It's very interesting. I would love to know. It feels like they're saying in this episode that... Dax, I don't know, maybe it's hard to tell because it's hard to tell what's Curzon and what's Dax, but uh, that Dax is a little bit more of a rascal and freewheeling, maybe a little bit more promiscuous, more of a gambler, um, and that maybe Jadzia is just someone who can swing with it more easily. So she allows that part of Dax it's kind of what she says what terry farrell said you know regarding how she approached it like she's like saying that like dax jed z is doing all this stuff to try to throw him off hoping that he'd be mature enough to handle it from jed z's uh with the jed z's intention as opposed to dax's intention or you're saying dax's intention saying Jedzia Dax's intention. I think that's true. I guess what I'm I'm the uh the way I'm splitting hairs in this in this case is wondering what characteristics are Jedzia and what characteristics are Dax. It seems like Jedzia in this episode is saying that she was someone who was kind of, you know, a little bit more focused basically like this guy, focused on the tasks at hand and was a workaholic and was a good student and you know hadn't really experienced that much of the world um and that maybe all the sort of rascal behavior and irony come from dax but uh i guess i would also like to think and i feel like it is inherent in in terry farrell's performance unless we're to assume it comes from dax that jed z is someone who's like has a moral compass and is just kind of like you know what I could use a little bit more of a freewheeling inappropriate side and I'm going to let that side of Dax come through. It's my theory. Mm. It's not really a mm. an analysis. All right, old man. Let's see what Cisco's theory is. <laughs> Safely transported to the science lab. Did you take a look at it? Mm. What do you think? 
We did as much analysis on the runabout as we could. None of the matter would scan. We'll do more tests tomorrow. How'd your initiate come through the experience? Fine. He's a good pilot. Uh-oh. What? I know that look. What look? That look, old man. The one that says, this one isn't going to make it. Not because of me. But you have your doubts. I have my doubts. What is his problem? I'm not sure what he brings as a host. I'll advance a symbiont to the next level. Frankly, he's more than a little arrogant, Benjamin. Is he? Okay. For a trill, that's to be expected. Check. But he's riding his father's ambitions, and he doesn't have any idea what he'd do with a symbiont if he got one. Have you confronted him? It's not my job to confront him. Isn't it? My job is to show what it's like to function as a joint trill. That's all. I can show you the guidelines. They're very clear. Mm-hmm. Who am I to confront him? Your Dax. Yes, but I'm not Curzon Dax, and I won't do to him what Curzon did to me. So, what are you going to do? This kid has to measure up soon, or he'll never be chosen. True. So you're not doing him any favors by avoiding a confrontation, are you? Curzon was tough. Maybe even abusive in his own charming way. <laughs> but he always demanded the highest standards of excellence from these host candidates. You don't host candidates. You're laughing. Yeah. Because you really enjoy what a dick Curzon Dax was. <laughs> I think I enjoy that that um that Cisco is always a, a Curzon defender in every scenario. No matter what, no matter what we is uncovered that Curzon did, he's always like, "Ah, oh, that Curzon." We only see Curzon once in that flashback, right? Like the flashback, yeah. of Genzia getting the host, right? I'd love to see like I'd love like an old like a Curzon fucking. Was there ever a fucking memory beta Curzon I'm thing? Sure. I would fucking Why are we love swearing so much. Somebody, I don't know. There's already a lot of curses in the hail, so I figure it's over. Already off the rails. Um, I will say this. Uh, um, I love the casual drop that all trills are arrogant, <laughs> or most trills are arrogant. Right. It's like a species trait. It's so crazy and and odd, but it like it's certainly based on her. That makes sense. I don't remember the other one, but it does feel like they're always like even even though most of the time when you see trills, they're having to explain, you know, how trills work. Um, it does feel like they're like confident in this weird way that's like, oh yeah, it makes sense that they would be like, yeah, I'm a trill, I'm I'm great, I'm the best. Um, look at these dots on my head. Um, <laughs> you ever seen dots like this? I'm a trill. You haven't. Yeah, do you, do you ever see uh, Famke Jansen with these things on? Uh, she wasn't even trill. They still look great. Um, and uh, I guess here's here's where I get into the area of like. I mean, I guess I guess they're kind of being consistent, but to me, it's irritating. Is she's talking about it like it's memories? 
and I, th- I don't remember if it's here or later. At some point, she... Oh, no, it's later. Um, she says she doesn't even know why Curzon picked her. And so then it's like, oh, wait a minute. So you're saying if a symbiont is put in Matt and then I'm the next host, I don't get access to Matt's memories? No, I just get to keep my deep, dark secrets. I don't like that. Um, But then what determines it? What do you mean? What determines what you can and Sometimes you have access to the memories. So what the F? Sometimes you have access to Sometimes you have access to the... I think it's not sometimes. I think it's some memories you have access to. It's not sometimes. But what determines what memories you have access to and what you don't? It's weird. It seems like the Dax symbiote is very powerful mentally. What does that have to do with anything? So the Dax symbiote can shut off the, the host... From what the ho- what he doesn't want the what they don't want the host to know. I mean, maybe you're speaking with knowledge that I haven't seen yet. I that's, don't have any knowledge. I'm just trying to figure out how this works. I mean, that's a massive head cannoning if that's the thing. And I Is would it also. Though? I'm just going by what they're telling us. Well, that's. I mean, yeah, but that's. What a crazy thing that there's the the symbiont is deciding what memories you have access to. I mean, I don't have a problem with that if that's the thing. But that's. I just want to hear somebody say that but she um, does say it here by telling us that she doesn't know why Dax picked her well I guess this is the question of is that a mistake or is that is that canon and if it's canon you're you're saying <laughs> I don't know that the answer is what you're saying I'm saying that's a possible answer but that's a big swing to not include in the mythology of of, of trills and symbionts but isn't it included by this dialogue? I don't think this dialogue proves it. This that's just one possible explanation. And to me it's a big swing explanation. I mean unless it's that already has been established, but like but yeah because otherwise I am like, yes, I'm like, well then why doesn't she know everything? Because if you can I mean, I don't know, just the fast and loose of like and then I know you some of you guys have said, well, you you don't remember all things, and I'm like, well, then what's the point of having this long line of hosts if you don't remember all things? It's like, well, you forget things just the way that normal people would forget things. Um, but that doesn't seem what's happening here. It seems like she just doesn't know. And then I know the other explanation is you only remember the things that the symbiont was in the body to experience. But even that being said, aren't you joined with? the host in a way where you have access to all of each other's thoughts and therefore wouldn't the symbiont know why Curzon had done whatever he had done in Jedzia's uh also Curzon would have had the 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 symbiont at the time that he was making the evaluation on Jedzia so Dax would have known it so it just doesn't add up no, it's a lot of da- that that's what I'm telling you though I'm telling you it's Dax that's you're saying Dax is shutting down the memory, and I guess I need more. Yes. Infor- I need more evidence than this, than 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 this um, adjacent uh, information you're you're pointing to as like proof that that's the. It's not I, proof. It's just what fits. I accept that it fits. I agree with that. Sometimes you got to extrapolate when you know these fucking writers don't expect the show to be watched by Andy Secunda. And they're just like, well, uh, well, this week I'll say this. 
You're right. They are the worst. I agree. You hear that, Wolfie? You <laughs> suck. Andy said it. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's never called me again. I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, a tiny universe explodes. Would have been a short time before I disappointed him anyway. I'm worried about you, Arjun. Worried? You're out of focus. I'm worried you're not preparing yourself for being joined. That's it? A day and a half and you've made up your mind. I didn't say that. Look, you've got... I'd be like, Wait, that's not at all what I said. That is exactly what you would say. I'd be like, what I just said was, I'm worried about you. But his implication, the thing that he's inferring, isn't that far from the truth, which is she thinks he's a, a tool and he's not, he shouldn't have a, a symbiont. She hasn't made her to my, her mind, but that is yeah, what she's she thinking. Also think Jad Z was a tool. You know what I'm saying? You're saying so, just like based on that, she's like, eh, "Who knows where I'll land?" She's like, "Look, you're a except, fucking tool." And except I was that a tool. Curzon did say no, <laughs> so she she managed to beat the system anyway. But uh... gotten this far by anticipating every demand of the program and performing above everyone's expectations. Am I right? Maybe, right? I think that's true. And I'm telling you, from this point on, that's not going to be good enough. My wife. Structured, but this seems to be right? to any of our physical laws. Uh, wait, oh, sorry. After your impassioned I am Jadzia fellow initiate speech in the run-up. I understand why you feel that way. But this isn't about me. This is about the standards for troll hosts. The opportunity is too rare and too important to waste on the wrong candidate. And in your mind, I'm a wrong candidate. I don't know that yet. But I felt it only fair to let you know I am worried about you. I see. She means as a candidate. I should have known this. I should have realized this. Your DAX. Standards for Trill hosts? That is really incredible coming from you. I have never seen any host in my life who is so far below those standards as you are, ma'am. No wonder Curzon DAX tried to terminate your training. I told him not to call me ma'am explicitly. Oh, this guy. <laughs> you just blew it. Now I have made up my mind. It is also, I love in this episode, they're playing with the the weird, I don't know. This is just great sci-fi extrapolation of how people would interact. That it's like, it's it's like me using almost like a past version. This is what I, I, you know what? 2019 Matt Myra would think you are oh, the worst, you know, like if it's like throwing that at you. <laughs> <laughs> it's really great. He, he would. <laughs> well, I'm sure all past versions of me would be infuriated. <laughs> serious? No. I just threw my whole life out a porthole. Nothing serious. There isn't a problem in the world. It can't be fixed by the right Holosuite program. Never trust a trill, Quark. Why not? They're two-faced. Does that go for all like trills or just for the ones with the worm? 
Any worm named Dax. Did she break your heart, son? What? Mine, too. And Bashir is in here every other day, crying into his synthail over her. The promenade is later with the it body. It wasn't my heart she broke. I really like that. My career. My life. Wait a minute. Is this about all that initiate stuff? She told me I wasn't preparing myself to join. With the worm? So that's her opinion. What's that worth anyhow? A bad recommendation from your field docent, and you can forget it. Listen, son. When I was a young man, no older than you, I had an apprentice position with the district subnagus. I licked his boots like you couldn't believe. He loved me. I was his golden boy. I was on the high road to the top of the Ferengi business world. And then it all fell apart. How? Rule of acquisition 112. Never have sex with the boss's sister. I was fired. Broke. It was quite a setback to my ambitions. Well, how'd you recover? Never did. Look at me, tending bar out here in Wormhole Junction while the big boys fly by me at warp speed. You only get one shot at the Latinum stairway. If you miss it. <laughs> one shot. You miss it. Welcome to the club, son. Oh, oh thanks. I... I think this is such a great scene on so many levels. Uh, I love for you to only get one shot at the Latinum Stairway. That's what we're waiting for, Matt. Our Latinum Stairway. Uh, but also, <laughs> also uh, I I love that he sounds like he's giving him advice. I'm gonna say, so don't worry. You can. And it's like the the point of the story is, yeah, I was really screwed, <laughs> and then I was trapped here. That's what's happened to you. Uh, it's really funny. Um, and uh, I also love the detail that uh, that uh, Quark is like, oh yeah, you're in love with her, like everybody's in love with her, and he's like, no, I'm not in love with her. She's being mean. <laughs> um, it's great. So so many different nice details in that scene. That very well played. Also, the never have sex with the boss's sister. That <laughs> that's how he's blew it. <laughs> it's great. Oh, I also, did she, she says, you don't know what he did to me uh, about Curzon. Is it just like he was just like a mean drill sergeant kind of guy? Or the fact yeah. that he, he said no to her, he like rejected her? I assume similar to what happened here, right? Yeah. Sim- similar. Seems like she's sort of similar. Yes, it's very Sa- similar. Similar. Similarly. Sam. Similar. Sandler, Adam I Sandler. I want you out of the lab during this. Sam, Samler. <laughs> Marty, Sam. how does Northern Ireland pronounce it? <laughs> Conduit? The computer's confirmed that these are life signs. Now, wait a minute. Single-cell microbes are life forms, too, but Dr. Bashir has a hypospray that'll kill them to say nothing of the voles. Kira, we could very well be dealing with intelligent life here. Well, how is that possible? You told us that this proto-universe was just formed. It's quite possible. We may have only experienced hours since this universe was formed, but there's no way of knowing how fast time is moving for them. Theoretically, billions of years may have passed. An entire evolution of a species might have taken place within the last few hours. It's possible. O'Brien to Cisco. Go ahead, Chief. Commander, if we're going to implement... But they're so tiny, Chief. 
Can't we just kill him? <laughs> That's basically what she says in the scene. She goes, yeah. you just step on him like ants. And I love that Odo's like, I wouldn't step on an ant. I think I'm getting a good Odo here. Delay the inevitable. Take us to yellow alert, Major. Move the repair crews into position. Breach, level 22, section 14. Cisco to O'Brien. Sea section 14. Move your repair crews in. Aye, sir. How long before the next expansion? Roughly five hours. How much will it expand? About 300%. We'll lose a whole section of the station. By tomorrow, the station will be gone. We could beam them into space. Give us some more time to come up with a solution. We already have a solution, and the longer we wait, the harder it's going to be to implement it. I'm sorry, but it's us or them. We have to destroy it. You can't just wipe out a civilization. We'd be committing mass murder. It's like stepping on ants, Odo. I don't step on ants, Major. Just because we don't understand a life form doesn't mean we can destroy it. Unless they're cockroaches, they give me the willies. Does anyone? I hate cockroaches. <laughs> I'll give you my decision in an hour. I want you to make a big a big sort of ceremony about it i want to make a big announcement maybe here's right a, a party where we where we uh we give out awards sorry go ahead no I, like i really liked the dad the quirk scene <laughs> quirks. yeah but i also it would have been nice to hear cisco come to the conclusion he comes to instead of in a in a log where he's talking about the borg yeah like i would have liked a scene like the one at quark like i would have liked him talking to quark or something this is a valid point that you are making but i My. think because they i think this is a clear indication that they swapped the plots the a to the b plot Right, the the trill became the a plot yeah. because it had more more juice in it, which I think was made sense. And actually, to me, the reason I was going to say that this is a textbook good episode is that on many, if not most, DS nine episodes up until this point, it, it doesn't matter whether you have the a or the b plot; they just kind of lay there, and you're like anything you appreciate about it is just sort of like, oh, I like this character thing that they're doing, or I like this exploration of this you know part of their relationship or whatever but they they sort of they're the opposite of tng in terms of like forward momentum of story and this is an episode where the b plot is the one that is driving it and it's great in my opinion it's like very interesting that it's you know we've seen versions of the you know the ugly bags of most mostly water Uh, but this seems like a less silly version of that and it's like a little pocket universe a tiny universe and it also is a threat to their universe and it's good philosophical stakes. So I really love that. And I think that's why I'm interested in the Trill plot. And that's more of your classic DS9 exploration. And they have a TNG style plot as the B plot. The problem is that then because there's less real estate, the thing that you're talking about happens, which is definitely if this was a TNG episode, then Picard would be giving a big speech about, you know, dignifying 
all all entities, which I'm, he probably has in the ugly bags of mostly water episode. You know, dignifying all all beings of all you know sizes and kinds and whatever. And we don't have that. We don't have the exploration really. It's sort of implied in how he goes in and talks to Jake in this next scene, I think. Right. But then even the Jake part is about the Dabo girl. Mm-hmm. That's really odd. To make a decision that could mean the life or death of a civilization or the end to our own. My mind keeps going back to the board. How I despised their indifference as they tried to exterminate us. And I have to ask myself, would I be any different if I destroyed another universe to preserve my own? Hey. Hi, Dad. What are you doing back so early? I just wanted to see you. He told you, didn't he? Told me what? Chief O'Brien, darn it, he promised. If there's something you want to tell me, I want to hear it. I love her, Dad. <laughs> okay. She's everything I ever wanted in a woman. I'm sure she's a wonderful girl. Oh, she's not a girl. She's a woman. She doesn't like to be called a girl. Everyone calls her that, and she hates it. She wants to be something better than that. Than what? Than a double girl. You're in love with a double girl? <laughs> Wait a minute. You said Chief O'Brien told you that. No, was... I didn't. Who is she? And how old is she, Jake? Oh, jeez. I wanted to tell you, but I was sure you wouldn't understand. So now you're hiding things from me? You mean you would have understood? Of course not. <laughs> it's Marta, isn't it? <laughs> have we seen Marta? You've been t- uh, the sh- we will. Tutoring in entomology. I really want you to meet her, Dad. I really want to meet her. Well, can I invite her to dinner tonight? One thing Andy doesn't care about spoilers is whether or not we meet Marta. Feel it. I usually ask, are we going to see this thing again? I think you do. Yeah. Um, yes. But, uh, you know, it's interesting, Matt. I think I might back off of my, uh, my stance on it being textbook because as you're, as I'm thinking about it, the way that you would have done this textbook, and I don't know if you have time for it because they kind of effectively tell the story of the whatever tiny universe or whatever you want the proto universe um in the time that they have so really what you would have had to do i think is set up something earlier to make it like classic trek where um cisco was grappling in some thematic way with dignifying people or other people not dignifying there was something about the Borg or whatever it is like something that sort of touched on where he was then eventually going to have to make this decision about the proto-universe and not only does that not exist it's not even (laughs) discussed in this scene that's set up by the voiceover it goes on a different thing about Jake so you could argue that I don't know maybe there's something about the Jake thing that's like oh well this is about life and you know I can't maybe you would have been angrier about the Davo girl if he didn't he wasn't about to destroy a universe or I don't know but it's very subtle if that's the case and I don't think it's there 
But even in that scene, they don't deal with it. Let me ask you this. And I feel like I have an, I have a, an opinion on this. Do you mm-hmm. think, because the, he doesn't have a conversation with anyone, do you think him walking around and the voiceover about his figuring it out was either added later or added in a voiceover later? Oh, I think it was added later for sure. That they were like, I mean, he really doesn't grapple with this. We really got to... Yeah, and then he's grappling and he brings up the Borg. And... Now, my only counter thought to that is he's that's a long shot that they've set up of him walking through DS9. Now, granted, that could have been from another episode that they were, mm. they were uh, mm. pulling it, the footage. But it seems very purposeful and meaningful. I would like to see. Okay. Well, then let's say that they meant to do it like that. I'm curious. All right. So they meant to do it like that. What now? I got to ask my best friend, Wolfie. (laughs) John Connor's dog. Is that the name of his dog? What's wrong with Wolfie? Wolfie's fine, honey. Wolfie's just fine. Where are you? Your foster parents are dead. (laughs) Who's the quietest, shyest, most withdrawn young woman you've ever known? Brilliant. Top grades. And not a clue to what life was about. She'd never lived outside the program. And it didn't matter because she was sailing through it. Until she met Curzon Dax. Curzon sized her up in about 20 seconds. And made the next two weeks the most miserable of her life. She cried herself to sleep every night. That weakling. She hated him for it. But when the field training was over and she learned about Curzon's recommendation to terminate her from the program, she went back a different woman. She found her voice and reapplied. She tore through the program with a passion, a vengeance. And in the end, the administrators chose her for joining. How did you wind up with the Dax symbiont? When I found out Curzon was dying, I requested the Dax symbiont. (laughs) And Curzon didn't object? No. And I've never been sure quite why. Except, as I've come to know Curzon's dark sense of humor, I have a feeling the irony might have appealed to him. Jadzia Dax is not Curzon Dax. But I am Dax. And I'm slowly coming to terms with what that means to me. Sometimes it means gambling or wrestling. Yeah. Sometimes it means waking up in an issue. Yeah, what are you saying? Oh, the gambling and the wrestling. That all seems like that's from Dex. Mm. But uh, also, I like I like it because it's like, oh, I treated her like that, and she still requested me. Yeah, yeah, that's the kind of shit I'm looking for. Yeah, I I like I love that, and I love the whole story, and I love the history. I'm just I'm weirded out by the like as I got to know his sense of humor through what. Through the joining of your personalities and your brains and your memories. So how come you don't remember why he uh why he said yes or not? Well, how come you I have to know. how come you have to infer? Yeah. I don't dig it. Maybe maybe there's more explanation later. Uh but I do love all the details nonetheless. Details are fun. This is just what he needed. Plus he gets to fly with this fancy flying. And save the day. Stability. Still falling. 26%. 
computer. Thrusters on reverse, two second burst. All stop. Stabilizing. The containment field is at 27%. 26% and holding. Now what? Well, we can't stay here. In 42 minutes, that energy mass expands. And once it intersects with one of those Verteron nodes, they'll feel the result in the Cardassian homeworld. But the containment field is so weak now, it'll fail as soon as we start to move again. Then I guess we'll just have to let it fail. Let it fail? But you said it yourself. If we pass through even one of those Vertron nodes without the containment field, the energy mass will explode. Then we'll just have to avoid them. You're talking about precision flying. You need at least level five. Wait oh, wait. A second. <laughs> I have level five. Yeah, let's go, Dax. And they high five each other. Um, there is an element where you kind of. You kind of want him to stop being such a drip in this scene. And he kind of is a drip till the end, even as he does the heroic thing and gets them out of there. But it kind of did make me think of, we've heard so many different versions of the story. I think we probably heard it from Kirk. I think we definitely heard it from Riker. I think maybe even about Picard. We've heard it from Picard um, of like, uh, when I started, it was this. And then I had this commander, this person above me, who they taught me how to be the wooden. And I was just a pain in the ass. And I didn't, I couldn't handle myself. But now I know how to handle myself because of this situation. And I feel like this is one of the first times we've seen that transition happen in a character. Like, this is a character who, who she even gives him the ball, tells him he can do it, he has the opportunity, and he's still bitching through this whole scene. <laughs> like, but I can't make it through there. But I can't do that. We're going to die. And she's like, you've got fucking two meters. Man up. But I don't know. It's kind of fun to see the character before they become the cool character. There's one thing I want to do before I go. And that is to apologize for the things I said to you in the lab. That was the first time you were being honest with me. <laughs> Somehow I always expected that joining would make any trail complete. That was the first time Serene, you were being honest with me. Wise beyond her years. And I'm... I think that that reading is perfect. <laughs> Cut. Print. None of those things. <laughs> what I mean is, you're nothing like I expected. I'm nothing like I expected. Life after life, with each new personality stampeding around in your head. You get desires that scare you. Dreams that used to belong to someone else. I wouldn't recommend it for everyone, but in time, I might recommend it for you. When you're ready. I know what I have to do. Good luck. Thank you. I'm not Curzon. Curzon wanted to kiss him. I'm not Curzon. I'm just Jadzia. <laughs> I'm not Curzon. I'm just Jadzia. Um. That Nebby who's the MVC. 
that's the MVC. Will it be Cisco, Dax, or Kieran Reese? It can't be Worf until season four, but there's a Brian Bashir and even Quark. And don't forget about Odo and more. What is not MVC? Give me What's the kid's name? What's the guy's name? Volpe? What's his name? I don't know. Whatever his name is, it feels like he's the one that, that did it. I mean, you could give it to Jedzia because she's the one who sort of bucked him up. But And it sounds like he saved the whole universe, if that's a misunderstanding. <laughs> he did. Level five flying pays off. Way to go, guy. <laughs> Um, I'm not. I'm not exactly clear on it, what exactly happened. I thought that they couldn't drop it in the, could drop it in the uni- in the in the wormhole because it would cause a problem. But why is it not cause a problem on the other side of the wormhole? I don't know. Science. Yeah, is it science? Is that the answer? Yeah. Okay, great. Good job, science. <laughs> you did it. It did it again. Science high five. <laughs> um, yeah, it's Jed Z as the MVC. I mean, it's come on. Who we can? It's Jed Z. It's not that, that guy. guy. I know that guy flew, but he's not a member of the crew. So get out of here. He's not a member of the crew in this episode. He's just staying on the station. He's just a v- interloper. All right. Well, if you're saying that, then I'd say it's Jed Z. Otherwise, I think fucking saving the universe with your flying is uh, is a worthy thing to give you the MVC. Uh, but I agree. I mean, technically, though, I guess. Gen Wait a minute! Z no, almost destroy the universe with her flying. I thought we were doing a thing. Yeah, we are on DS Nine, where it's because you got okay. Quirk and all these. What's characters. this character's name then? What's his name? I'll tell you what his name is. It's Arjun. Oh, all right. Way to go, Arjun. <laughs> <laughs> I, looked, I looked it up just in time. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. I don't care. Arjun, you can have it. How many Andy's does this episode get? Unless the voles were a bigger problem than we thought they were. <laughs> um, like I say, it's not as, I, Matt, Matt poked a few holes in it, so it's not as textbook as I thought, but I thought it moved. I was fascinated with all of the... All of the uh, the trill stuff, um, I I really liked, and it's weird because <laughs> maybe it's just this is how trills act because both Arjun and Jedzi are both kind of flat performances, and yet I was fascinated with all of the the writing and um, and the I like the proto universe plot, so it's real good. Uh, I give it a mm, seven. Wow. 7.5. 7.5. <laughs> it's wow. like a roller coaster. Too high or too low? Seven's dramatically high. Yeah. Me. Although yeah. I gave my I gave my opinions when we when we yeah. talked about uh, Curious where you land. I'm going to go to 7 just because I was like everything I'm saying is true. But it's, but you know, it wasn't like it fucking knocked me on my ass. I just, I mean, there's it. there's good information in here uh, about the about the, the the trill. The trill don't interest me that much. However, um, not that they need to, because they're they're just you know they're ever present anyway. Yeah, kind of like how Klingon stories like kind of go. Meh, all right. Um, hmm. But it is a lot of information. I'll give it a five. Hmm. Because I do like 
the B plot, not the not the black hole. I guess I like the C plot. You like the Jake and the Dabo girl? The rats. Oh, the rats. The I guess Jake and the Dabo girl is the D plot. Yeah. So interesting um, that they put that in here. I guess it must be a, a thing that they want to set up for a later episode. It is funny. It's funny. It was a funny line. It's just such an odd scene to have when the fate of the universe is <laughs> at stake. Um, yeah, I like the vol plot too. I agree with you. So, vol plot gets it to a five for me. Uh, great job, some of us. Hmm. Think about it on your own time. <laughs> Who's the NPC? I don't step on the hands. Disengage. <laughs>